raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Uh, joining us now on the program as we continue to not only talk about last night's, and we will, I promise, get more into the Pacers, Bucks, and some of the controversy from last night, but I also, listen, folks, it, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it is always a challenge because you want to be well aware of and respectful of, you know, the topic at hand, which is the Colts and Steelers and the Pacers, Bucks, but at the same time, I think there's a, a responsibility to illuminate for people, and especially younger people, the greatness that was lost today in George McGinnis, not only as a basketball player, but as a member and a pillar of the community. And Mark Monteith knew George well. MarkMonteith.com, where you can not only read Mark's articles, but also hear many of his past uh, interviews, the, the fastest hour in radio, as it was known, in his one-on-one interviews. But Mark joins us now. Mark, I appreciate the time. Um, obviously, I know that you know you knew George well and and talked to him on a regular basis. Uh, I'll begin simply with this: for somebody who is listening right now that is twenty five, thirty years old, and, and didn't see George McGinnis play as a player or totally grasp his greatness within the ABA and then the NBA, how would you summarize George McGinnis? First off, before we get to the person, George McGinnis, the player. Yeah, I think the thing you hear a lot, and I think it's accurate, is that he was LeBron before LeBron. You know, if you've seen LeBron James play, George was much like that. A six foot eight, muscular, really powerful athlete who also could run, handle the ball, pass the ball, just had great agility. Just a really rare combination of strength and agility and different ways to score and really was just an unstoppable force when he was at his peak. You know, he, high school, college, pros, all three levels, he was just an unstoppable player. And he was so physically gifted, Mark, in the fact that he was physically imposing. But I remember, and I don't know if this was just a nickname my dad made up for him or if it was one that was just when he was in high school. My dad used to call him the Baby Bull. I don't know at he what point. He hated that nickname. He did hated he? that nickname. Yeah, because he didn't want to be compared to a, to an animal, you know. And I get I, that. People still use that. But, but yeah, yeah, understandable. But, uh, he actually got really mad at the Indianapolis Star beat writer about that one time. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, what? when did that nickname come about for him? Oh, with the Pacers. It okay. was given to him with the Pacers. He was really commonly known as Big Mac. Well, yeah, Big yeah. Mac. Or Big George. I mean, both, right? Yeah. But so, so with that, though, I think that 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 right there, the fact that that would be his nickname and he would be and he would dislike that, and I get it. I mean, being compared to an animal, but you, when you think of a bull, you think of a hard charging, tenacious, unpredictable, you know, at times violently dangerous animal. And George McGinnis, am I correct in saying, away from the floor was the absolute antithesis of, of all of that. Yeah, no question. Had just the most gentle and generous demeanor of anybody you'd ever want to meet. And that was just his, it was a gift, really, because he was always that way, even in high school. Uh, I could tell you a story about how nice he was. I mean, when I was in college, uh, (laughs) writing for the Indiana Daily Student, I wanted to do a George McGinnis feature when he was in his first year in Philly and was on top of the basketball world. You know, he was first team All-NBA that first year in Philly. I went up to Chicago and chased him around 
you know, the hotel, the arena where they were playing that night against the Bulls. They went back to the hotel. And finally, when I got to him in the lounge back at the hotel, you know, he was surrounded by like 10 people, had a, not a posse, but just had a bunch of business people around him. And he gave me like 10 minutes there. Some kid reporter from the Indiana Daily Student, he was very gracious with me. And that's just who he was. And, you know, it's amazing the number of people I meet, and they may not even be basketball fans who will have had an encounter somewhere with George McGinnis and will tell you all the exact same thing that he was just so nice, you know, and that's who he was. He couldn't help it. He was really, and I wrote this for the Indianapolis Business Journal. It's online right now. He was really too nice for his own good because he was very generous and people were always hitting him up for favors and loans and so forth. And he got taken advantage of quite a bit, but, uh, you know, he would be the first to tell you that he was very blessed. You know, sometimes Mark, people get taken advantage of in that regard and there's a naivety towards it. And then other times there are people that, that that happens to them and they kind of accept it as one of the the, the responsibilities that come with with being blessed, if that makes sense. In other words, you're you're exactly right. Th- yeah. Does that make sense? And, and I, yeah, you, you and I probably both know who I'm. Uh, another person I'm talking about, but like, but he struck me, and I didn't know George McGinnis well. Disingenuous to say that I did like you, but he struck me as a guy that was aware sometimes that that might be taking place, but his nature was such that he couldn't do anything other than help. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, he um, told me once, and this is in my article, that he thought over the course of his life he had loaned out between seventy-five and $100,000 to former teammates and friends who came to him for a loan, and it never came back. And rather than being bitter about it, he said, I'm just glad I was in the position to be able to help him. And uh, that kind of sums up George McGinnis. And you know, I was with him on an occasion where – he was might have been with somebody who was a little bit down and out that he felt sorry for, and they didn't ask him for anything, and he'd pull a couple hundred dollars of cash, you know, out of his pocket and give it to him and insist they take it. You know, that's just who he was. And I had a lot of lunches with him. You know, I've inter- spent a lot of time with him over the last few years to gather information for a book I wanted to do someday. And, and he, to get him to not pay for lunch was a battle, man. I mean, he, it was hard. He just—he was always the guy who wanted to pay. He was always pulling out money to give to people. George asked me to help him with his induction speech into the Naismith Hall of Fame and the IU Athletic Hall of Fame in September. But when I went over to his house in 2017 to help him with his induction speech for Naismith, he pulls out $200 and gives it to me. He says, George, I don't want this. You know, I, I'm, this is no problem. You know, I don't need anything. He insisted I take it. I wound up giving the money to charity, you know, because I mean, but George was just always that way, just pulling out cash to give to people if he thought they needed it or if they had done the least amount of a favor for him. Just a generous guy by his nature. Hey, Mark, it's Brendan. We were talking about this with Darnell Hillman earlier, but, you know, George McGinnis lived a dream of many kids wanting to shine for their hometown institutions, whether that's Indiana or the Pacers or, you know, just a kid growing up playing basketball here. So for what he did, and again, I realize it's a different time, but how can he, his story inspire kids that have a love for their hometown and things around the state because he lived it? Yeah. Well, he really benefited by staying home. You know, he, uh, a lot of great players, they go off to college somewhere out of state, 
And uh, well, there's still big names in Indiana, but there are a lot of practical benefits to staying home. And George would be the first to tell you that, you know, being a Mr. Basketball at Washington and, and then going to Indiana, playing one year of varsity there, and then joining the Pacers and playing there from 71 to 75, you know, being a league MVP and everything. You know, that stuff comes back to you. And, yeah, he went off to Philadelphia to the NBA because he tripled the salary. And the Pacers, you know, weren't even bitter about it. They knew he had to go. And he wound up his career with the Pacers but had been injured and really couldn't play anymore and gets cut by the Pacers in 82. And he went off to Denver for a few years to kind of decompress from basketball. But then he came back in the mid-'80s. And because he had such a good reputation, had all kinds of opportunities. He was broadcasting games, high school, college, some Pacers. A lot of business opportunities, a lot of endorsements, commercials for people, uh, getting on boards of companies. And then in 1992, started a business, GM Supply, which is still ongoing, which is was successful because of George's reputation. Everybody liked George so much, they wanted to help him. And George would tell me that when he would speak to kids, he would say, your reputation is so important. You know, you develop a good reputation, and it will all come back to you. And that was the case with George. It all came back to him. You know, he was rewarded so much for being just a good guy that people liked and wanted to help if they had an opportunity. And, uh, you know, so he set an example that way for kids, I think, and that, you know, just be the right kind of person, and it will come back to you one way or the other. Mark, one last thing, and I want to ask you about the controversy last night and kind of the growing rivalry between the Pacers and Bucks, which is fun. But um, one last thing about George McGinnis. You know, for you, I, I consider you, Mark Monteith, you know, the consummate pro, right? You, you, you've been a journalist for a long time. You've, I, I think you're a, a true historian in terms of the sports in this market. And I know that you have always carried with that the professionalism that is necessary with it. But this one has to be a little bit different because – you lost somebody that, that I think you considered really a friend, right? And you knew him for a long time. Um, how has it been for you over the last couple of days? Because I know it's been difficult and the story itself has been difficult. And, you know, was it the first time that you thought, you know, you we've had others. I mean, Slick would be one, Mel Daniels, I assume. But in fact, when it comes to just the personal connection and the responsibility of educating about that personality was this one different for you yeah well yeah slick and mel were also difficult because i spent a lot of time with them but yeah maybe george more so Uh, i think uh george came as a surprise to me when i heard last week you know that he had had an episode a cardiac episode at home and you know was in the hospital and it didn't look like there was any hope for a recovery and uh, it came as kind of a shock because he had been in good health. Other than his back, you know, he seemed to be in good health. And I had uh, had lunch with him at the end of August and had gone down to IU for his Hall of Fame induction there at the end of September and seen him then. And so I had no, you know, this all came as a shock, I think, to everybody. And that made it difficult. And then, yeah, just, you know, the amount of time I had spent with George over the years and, and gotten to know him much more than as, as an athlete and saw examples of his generosity and, and some of the challenges he had and how he handled those. So, yeah, it, it is difficult personally. And I sometimes, Jake, I think, you know, as a guy who grew up in Indianapolis and was such a fan of Hoosier hysteria and, you know, wanted to be a basketball player, played high school basketball at least, um, 
you know, these guys were all part of my childhood. And, guys, sometimes I think that, man, we're losing these people and we're only going to lose more over the next decade or so. And it's sad, you know, and there's a lot of people I know who share my feelings because we grew up watching that state tournament and watch guys like George McGinnis, you know, Billy Keller, others, you know, win state championships. And it was inspirational to us uh, to get out and, and play, you know, to go out in the driveway and put up shots. And then to be able to meet these guys later in life as a journalist and, and see what good people they are. Uh, you know, it was just, it's a great part of your life and it's been a privilege for me to experience that, to get paid, you know, to write stories about people like George McGinnis has been a great benefit to me. So yeah, it, it is very, it's difficult on a personal level. No question about it. Mark. Raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Montita is our guest, markmontita.com and the Indianapolis Business Journal, where you can read his work, hear his interviews as well. By the way, quick Colts note, Jonathan Taylor, Braden Smith, Shane Steichen says officially out for Saturday against the Steelers. He does expect Juju Brents to play and EJ Speed as well. That from Kevin Bowen just in the last couple of minutes on X Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Mark, when you were covering the Pacers, one of the fun things was the rivalries. And I know that people want to talk about last night, you know, the Bucks broadcast got upset with Tyrese Halliburton, you know, quote-unquote flopping after an elbow from Giannis. Then you had the whole situation with the basketball after the game. And I know it's easy to sit there from a fan perspective and get upset about it. I look at it and I go, this is awesome. Because coming off of the in-season tournament, the Pacers now all of a sudden seem to have this relevancy that franchises are aware of. And what better thing to have than a rivalry with a team within your own division and conference and one that has recently won a championship and makes basketball relevant again during the NFL season and heading into Christmas. To me, even though you don't necessarily want to see guys like elbowing and getting in in scrums, don't get me wrong, but I think it's good. I think it's good for the Pacers. I think it's good for the fan base. What say you? I agree. I agree. People get excited about this stuff and, you know, the Pacers obviously have an up-and-coming team. They obviously are not at, not at the level of a Milwaukee or some of the other teams, you know, Boston and so forth. Even though they've beaten those teams, they are not at that level yet. But these kind of experiences, I think, help them get to that level. The Pacers need to be toughened up a little bit. You know, they need some hard knocks. And these kind of games, I think, instills that. You know, and, and if we're talking about George McGinnis, you know, back in the George McGinnis ABA days, this kind of thing happened all the time. You know, there were fights and all kinds of things like this. And people, life went on back then, you know, and people didn't get suspended, didn't get fined or whatever. Things happened, but it was all part of the rivalry. And it'd be forgotten for the most part, but you still remember the next time you play them, right? And I think the Pacers need these kind of experiences just to grow because you've got to be tough mentally and physically to ever contend for a championship. And those Pacer teams that contended for championships in the 90s went through these kind of experiences with 
various teams, not only New York, but uh, other teams as well, where there were uh, controversies and so forth, a lot of anger. <laughs> and you need anger. You know, you, you need anger. You need the ability to get angry during a game to ever contend for something. You know, Reggie Miller had that ability. So I agree with you, Jake. You know, a game like last night doesn't hurt him at all and probably helps. And, Mark, it's a step to the ladder, right? Because this is going to happen on your way to eventually playing a seven-game series against them, more than likely, if you're going to contend for an NBA championship. So this is what you expect in sports. Know that you know it builds during the regular season, and then you let it happen on the court in, an, in a playoff series, and what happens happens because there's no rules in the playoffs, it seems, with physicality. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, this is the kind of thing you go through, and uh, you don't want it to be dirty. You don't want cheap shots, but there's going to be a lot of physicality. There's going to be guys getting mad. You know, there's going to be technical fouls and so forth. So uh, this is preparation for bigger things to come. Could this, and I'm not saying that they're going to make this decision in a vacuum, Mark, and I know that basketball's different than it was you know, 15 years ago, let alone 25 or 30, but could the Pacers use an enforcer? Could the Pacers use a guy? Not, And I don't even mean like a Draymond Green nutcase. I mean, like, could they just use a guy like a Dale Davis to kind of set a tone and also to do a little bit of defensive dirty work for him? Yeah, I, I, their one need to me is a big guy who can help Miles Turner around the basket and be a rebounder and a defender and just a physical player. So you're right. I think a Dale Davis type would do him a lot of good. You know, watching that game last night, I saw Bobby Portis. Like, there's a guy who could help the Pacers. He got mad, you know, got kicked out of the game. Uh, but he could suit it, but he's also a physical player around the basket. And I've been told that there was talk about getting Bobby Portis a few years ago, you know, before he re-signed with Milwaukee. He's a good player. Somebody like that, or it doesn't even have to be a scorer, though. You know, people talk about the Pacers needing another star. I'm not sure about that. Like, for what? They don't need more scoring, right? They're the best scoring team in the league. And I think they got guys on the roster, uh, like Matherin, who can develop into a star. I think Isaiah Jackson has a, a real promising future. Jalen Smith, who's hurt now as well, they may have all the pieces they need really to become a contender if you just develop some of these young guys. But if you're going to trade for somebody or pick up somebody, it needs to be a big guy who's going to help out with rebounding and would be a good defender. Mark, I'm you telling know? you, the guy that I've had like an NBA man crush on for like five years, you ready? This is yeah. I, I'm convinced this is this is the guy. This is the guy. I'm not saying this player, but this kind of player, although he's a little short, maybe. You ready? Yeah. I've been preaching it for years. Jay Crowder. I love yeah. Jay Crowder. Yeah, I've watched him too. I've watched him too. Somebody like that who's just who doesn't care about scoring. That's right? exactly right. He does scoring. literally like first off, Jay Crowder comes out there and he's dressed like a stormtrooper, right? He's yeah. got on like nine different like knee pads and elbow pads and body gear and armor, but it's because he just throws himself everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And guys like that, not only what they contribute on the court, but they affect the mentality of all the players on the team. When you've got an enforcer like that, it toughens up everybody's mental outlook. They feed off of that. And if you have a bully with you in a fight, right, you're a little bit braver. So that's what you need. You need a guy who's capable of being a bit of a bully, not a dirty <laughs> player, not a bad guy, but somebody who's that type of player like a Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, whatever. Uh, that affects everybody's mental approach to the game and toughens up everybody. Mark, I remember when I was 24 years old, 
I'm out in Broderpool with my lifelong buddy Matt Jacklin, who was like you know five eight and 160 pounds soaking wet, right? Jacklin <laughs> Jacklin orders like a double Jack, and I say, look, man. What are you doing? If you drink enough whiskey, you're going to find yourself getting in a fight. To which he says, "No, I'm not. I'm going to. I'm going to get you in one." And, and I can't fight my way out of a wet paper bag. But the point's taken, right? Like you need yeah. the bigger guy, right? You need the bigger guy so that you feel confident. Absolutely. Didn't, didn't no get in a fight that night, but hey, Mark, I appreciate the time, man. I know that you were uh, had a busy day today. I know obviously that this is a story that is more than just something that you write about when it comes to George McGinnis. So for you to pop on, I appreciate it very much. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity, Zach. I appreciate it. Mark Monteith, again, markmonteith.com, Indianapolis Business Journal, where you can read his work. Um, Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.